everyone, and welcome to this week's On the Spot. I'm Zach Strickland, and here with, as always, John Paul Hampstead, our Director of Passport Research here at Freight Waves. And JP, let's dive right into it, man. We've had, you know, we didn't, we weren't here last week uh, getting ready for our 3PL Summit, but, right. you know, the market continues to show signs of significant strengthening. We've seen volumes after the 4th of July continue to, sh you know, show elevated levels reminiscent of March. Yeah. Tender rejection rates up over 17.5%. Not quite as high as they were in March just yet, but the sustainability of this curve uh, is a lot more, it's a lot stronger than it was back in March. The March volumes and, and uh, tender rejection rates shot up in a matter of a few weeks and they were right back down in a matter of a few weeks. This one has grown since early May on the volume side uh, with a few little hiccups here and there, specifically right after the 4th of July and now tender rejection rates again have this slow curve. And now they're, I wanna say slightly plateaued, but we've been over 15% on the tender rejection rate for the entire month of July. And now we're at 17.5%. It just went up actually pretty decently yesterday. And, and what's interesting, just to put context around that, we were over 10% in 2019 for four weeks total. And that was all around Christmas. Yeah. And they went up and then right back down. <laughs> right. Um, th there are a couple of other things that uh, distinguish you know, the current volume rally from what happened in March. One of them is that um, drive-in is outperforming reefer right now, yeah. which is different than March, which was, again, like a lot of grocery. Um, we really think that there's been you know, just a pronounced consumer mix shift toward goods, out of services. Um, and you, know, you see that in really, you know, one of the most expensive markets right now in the U.S. is outbound um, Southern California, yep. right? So it's, to me, that's consistent with people buying imported finished goods, um, retailers selling a lot of stuff, e-commerce booming, things like that. Um, and, and I also think that the guidance that some of the transportation companies have given in their second quarter earnings calls um, makes me think that they also believe that, you know, the revenue rally, if not, you know, which is a derivative of volumes and rates, right? The revenue rally um, has legs. Like, I think one of the things about this quarter is that it's really a moment where our data, our editorial coverage, our research, like, has a chance to shine because we think, when we think of a, a quarter, like the second quarter of 2020, we see a very granular, multi-dimensional curve, right? that takes into account rates, volumes, um, tender rejections, things like that. But on a financial statement, it's boiled down into a point, right? right. Like, what was your revenue? What was your rate per load a mile? You know, what, what was your gross margin percentage for, you know, averaged out across an entire quarter? And so, so yeah, I, I just think that um, you really have to dig into the management commentary um, for this quarter and really see like how they're guiding and, and what, what the trends were from you know April, May, June, and then now in July yeah, uh, I mean, to kind of understand what's going on. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about three months where, you know, just to illustrate a little bit further, uh, the average of one in 100, you know, is 50, <laughs> or zero in 100 is 50, but the average of 40 and 60 is also 50. Yeah. So, you know, just because, and, and a lot of these numbers are just averages of what's traditionally not as volatile as what we've just seen. And the month of April, as we saw in our data, extraordinarily depressed, a very slow, a lot of low volumes. And then, of course, June was a 
robust recovery, uh, and May was the transition of that. It was not a flat month at all. None of these months had any kind of flatness to them. And the right. way that you're talking about it is the fact that normally you have this seasonality that's pretty comparable year over year. You know, I was looking at Night Swift earnings, uh, and what was interesting to me is that, you know, their revenues were down slightly. Their OR actually went, well, it went down, which is good, right, right, uh, right. slightly, meaning that they had increased operational efficiency on less revenue. Some of that had to do with fuel, et cetera, but... Some of had to do with maintenance, too, I noticed. Yeah. They, $16, less, $16 million less maintenance. If you're not driving as much, which they did, they didn't, uh, there's less maintenance cost and, and whatnot. But, Again, they were expecting this just really bad quarter. And to know that the average of those three months together, including one of the worst months ever, that means that June for them had to have been really strong to pull them back into alignment with uh, the previous And also I think it, it just speaks to the sort of operational discipline of their management team that they like, you know, I think the way that we would have imagined it, um, if you, just hearing about the quarter without maybe living through it or, or being an outsider to the industry would be that, okay, like depending on their customer mix, revenues were up or down, but surely the trucking company would be less efficient because of all this network imbalance and dislocation that we've been hearing about. But Night Swift really kind of um, outperformed in that regard. Yeah. Right. Like if you think about like, you know, higher empty miles, like like more demand in places where you're not supposed to have more demand, less demand in places where you are. Like they were able to manage all through all that really well. Um, there are a couple of kind of interesting volume numbers because um, to look at across this the, sort of the companies that have reported so far because you know a lot of people um, you know OTVI has been elevated for a while and we we talk about how that's um, sort of tied to uh, the contracted freight coming out of large shippers going to large asset-based carriers for the most part, although it contains lots of, lots of modes, lots of commodities. Um, and, yeah, and you, had some, you, had some you saw some interesting numbers across the board in terms of how it related to, uh, you know, kind of something that in, you know, described contracted versus spot. Yeah, so yeah. so J.B. Hunt truckload low, uh, volumes were up. 17.4% year over year in the second quarter, mm -hmm. up 17.4%. Echo truckload up 3%. JB Hunt um, ICS, which is their brokerage, brokerage. down 10.5% in volumes. And then Landstar down 16% in volumes for the quarter year over year. And so you get this range. And I think the way to think about the discrepancies between those companies is to think about their. Um, sort of revenue mix of contracts or the volume mix of contract and spot right on the assumption that contract volumes recovered first which makes sense and then yeah. as capacity tightened you get tender rejections piled up and then volumes sort of flowing into spot which recovered later right so landstar you know were guided that they still think they have a pretty good quarter ahead of them um, you know Whereas I think other companies are a little bit further along in, in, in sort of the volume recovery. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about a common question that we get. We were talking about it before the before the show is the relationship between spot and contract in terms of how spot rates move with contract yeah. rates and how you know one leads the other. And and typically, you know, we hear a lot of uh, you know talk around well, contract rates are when are they going to go up? Well, contract, the mechanism of contracts themselves 
has a 12-month cycle in general. Now, there's many bids and rollouts and things like that that happen in between these cycles, but traditionally, uh, it takes a period of time before uh, the contract rates are a product of the previous 12 months. Yep. Um, so it takes a lot longer for those to start to drag up. There's yep. not a there's not a moment in time where okay we have a hot spot market like we have right now, all of a sudden contract rates jump three percent. That's not how it works. Uh, typically, and even if even if um, a transportation company uh, executive were to say that we're seeing contract rates move up about three percent, they might be talking about the five percent of their contracted business that they're currently repricing and negotiating right which traditionally doesn't happen in july (laughs) no it's not it's concentrated in like q4 q4 q1 is when implementation normally happens you can see that reflected uh pretty cleanly in the cas uh, truckload line haul index uh year over year Uh, a lot of the more significant drops or changes occur in january and that's because you have contract implementations uh, that take full effect beginning of the year again for budgetary purposes for a lot of these shippers it uh, doesn't mean that you, you know, there's several companies out there that have bids in the year, and of course their fiscal year differs. But um, I think the question will be is how volatile will this next period be? The fact that we're seeing so much volume pressing through the market uh, at a consistent pace, even. We've, almost, we've plateaued in July, and tender rejection rates continue to creep higher. Yep. Uh, one of the big questions is how sustainable is this environment? And to me, we're watching, uh, you know, we're watching the ocean. We're watching the industrial economy because technically this freight market has not had an industrial economy to drive it at all. Capital expenditures right. are still well, down, well below uh, the rest. Industrial economy has not started. It's just now starting to show signs of recovery on the rail car load side. We watched uh, chemicals and uh, you know some of the the total carload volumes, things that are indicative of automotive raw materials like yeah. moving through the the country. This is the stuff that leads a lot of that drive and freight because yep. this is production materials. This is the oil and gas industry, energy, uh, things like that that drive a good part of the economy. And the freight market does derive a lot of value from that. And we have not seen that really kick in yet. So we've been living on this supply chain dislocation. Uh, and new, uh, you know, this right. adaptive measure by a lot of shippers trying to get in front of this demand as the consumer starts to reorganize their lifestyle as well. So what I'm hearing from you, Zach, is that while the sort of absolute level of spot rates affects, you know, how shippers may be thinking about whether they need to adjust contract rates up or down, it's also, you know, the the what can we learn from the last 12 months? What, you know, does the last 12 months or the last six months, for example, actually tell us what you know conditions are likely to be in 2021? How much can we actually infer yeah. from what's happening now? Is this weird? Should we really make long-term adjustments to, to our contract freight based on all of this sort of really unusual thing that are, that's happening right now? And I just think that like, you know, maybe in the, in the 2017, um, 2018 up cycle that started, there were talking points around um, like the ELD mandate that al- at least allowed the market to believe there that there was. There was a story was, to go along with it. It made sense to a lot of like people this to be is, like, all yeah. this capacity is leaving forever. This is a permanent yeah. constraint on capacity, things like that. Um, I, I do think that there are fundamental issues with capacity in the market, but it's really hard to see those signals through all of the, the noise, right? Um, 
One thing I will say, though, is that on the J.B. Hunt earnings call, Shelly Simpson did say that uh, she believes that purchase price or contract rates are already moving. Doug Wagner, a little bit, um, you know, maybe behind that, he kind of says that he's waiting for more spot volumes to go up before he sees, uh, you know, significant upward pressure on contract rates. So it's kind of interesting just to see. I think most companies are in widespread agreement that both on the demand and supply side, things are pushing rates up. There's a little bit of disagreement over um, sort of how far out that inflection point is. Yeah, it's, it is very hard to see right now. And we only have a, about 30 seconds left. But the, you know, I think, I think the takeaway here is that, you know, we're only a month into elevated spot rates, a month yeah. and a half into elevated right. spot rates, really. We were just around 6% tender rejection in the middle of June. Now we're up over 17. It hasn't had a long enough stretch. There's still a ton of uncertainty over what that means moving forward. Um, for now, you have to really stay focused on what's moving in the market, the type of goods that are moving in the market. We still have a bunch of retail, uh, you know, consumer products, I should say, that's really moving. Right. Uh, the needle supply chains are repositioning a lot of freight still. So we'll have to wait and see. But for now, the market remains hot, and uh, it looks like it's not going to slow down here in the near term. No. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, tuning in this week, and stay tuned to FreightWaves.com for any future freight market updates. Have a great week.